Hello, and welcome to The Funny Thing About Yoga, where we talk all things yoga and maybe make you laugh a little bit. I'm Gianna Gambino. And I'm Bradshaw Wish. Enjoy the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I'm having so much fun. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Funny Thing About Yoga. I'm Gianna. If you're new here, we're so glad you're here. If you've been listening, thanks for coming back. I um, recently was looking at some of our new reviews, and I see we have a few new reviews from people who discovered us through our Instagram, and I have to give Bradshaw kudos because he has been killing it with his Instagram reels, especially the bro one. Um, I'm so happy he's doing his bro voice for the entire internet to hear because usually he he just does it in secret, in private, secret to me when he pretends that he's hitting on me. And it's wildly uncomfortable, but it makes me giggle until I cry. So I'm glad the entire internet community who is seeing this reel on their feed can also giggle till they cry. Speaking of Bradshaw, he and I will chat in just a moment. And we have a really interesting conversation around alignment and whether or not it matters. And you'll have to stay tuned for the answers. But Bradshaw is away on a little vacation. He's visiting family on the West Coast. And so we pre-recorded this conversation for um, the times where we knew that we wouldn't be able to do it right before publishing it. So the cool thing about podcasting is that we can pre-record. And also I'm learning so much as we go because one thing I just learned is, oh, we recorded this like too long ago. We did it in June. And some things are a little bit out of date. We were like mentioning events that already passed or retreats that sold out. And yeah, this is the learning curve. So (laughs) now that I mentioned retreats, we do have a new announcement. We are going to Starved Rock summer of 2024. This is driving distance from Chicago. It's in Illinois. We are at luxury camping for a weekend and we only have about 10 spots left. We've already sold a few. It's a smaller group in general. If you're intrigued and you want to join us, go onto our website, kayayogaschool.com slash retreats, and you'll see what we have going on. We also have Nicaragua in February of 2024, and we have a 200-hour right after our February retreat, also in Nicaragua. So if you are curious about doing a 200-hour teacher training, there's all the information over there on our website, kayayogaschool.com. And that's C-A-Y-A, everyone. So spell it right. (laughs) Um, This week feels like it flew by, but also went so, so slow. I actually was in the process of moving and I feel like I did a secret move just because I only told the people that I'm closest to and talk to regularly. And I got to Chicago. That's where I moved. And I taught a bunch this weekend and people are like, wait, what are you doing here? Are you just subbing? And I'm like, oh no, I moved back. And then most people looked happy, which is really, really nice. Um, But they're like, wait, you didn't even say anything or make an announcement. So here is my big public 
announcement. I'm back in Chicago full-time. I'm in an empty apartment sitting on a mattress. Thank God I saved at least a mattress because got rid of everything else besides like boxes and a mattress. Yeah. And it's going to be a process of settling in. And um, one thing about the move, and I just feel the need to like open up a little bit more because I just want to say Chicago feels like home for me. I've been going through a little journey right here, a little healing journey. And if you're on our, on our Substack, our podcast newsletter, you know what I'm talking about. I've opened up a lot more on there about personal stuff and I was staying with family and I've been really uprooted for the last couple of months. And when I thought about where can I go to ground, where do I feel most like myself? What's the most comfortable? Like where is home? As an adult, I've really made Chicago that place for myself because since leaving New York, I've bounced around from Pittsburgh back to New York, Chicago, Florida, Chicago, Florida, Chicago, San Francisco, and so on. So it is kind of comical the amount of back and forth I've done. But for now and for a while, this is where I'll be continuing to heal. Teaching is super healing for me and being with friends and all of that. So I'm excited to be here. If you are local, you'll just have to find my name on the schedule. I'm covering for now. And when I do get back on to some permanent classes, I'm going to be really intentional about what I teach and when, because I only want to do the things that I want to do right now. <laughs> this is a new phase. I used to say yes to everything. And now it's it's me, it's me time. All right. And clearly, cause I am soloing my ass off right now. <laughs> Bradshaw would be rolling his eyes like hurry up already. Okay. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this conversation on alignment and don't forget to review, especially if you enjoy it without further ado, here it is. Uh, all right. Let's get to our topic. We have a list, a running list of topics to talk about, and Gianna will just read them to me, and then I usually pick. Uh, oh my god! That, okay, that's not, no, that's not that's not. But here's Gianna the has, thing, but Gianna, like, Gianna has the best ideas, so I'm just like, just read me your ideas, and then I'll tell you which one I want to do. No, no, week. no. But I have to tell you why he gets last and final say. It's because ADD. If we start talking about a topic <laughs> that he's not like into for that day we we have to end and start we literally wait we've literally like recorded not... <laughs> we've literally half recorded five episodes i'm not kidding <laughs> gianna just stops and goes this isn't good we have to start over a new topic and i'm just like we just wasted a half an hour she's like you literally are looking off into the distance and sleeping yeah or you you start texting i was like no 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 no. if you're not engaged our listeners aren't going to be engaged mm -hmm. i'm just true gay uh, yes and boys on the lips boys and boys and girls and girls and everything <laughs> you can't sometimes i wish you all boys, could, the boys like, and girls, the girls. see what i see because i'm just watching this happen in zoom and it's hysterical okay um, okay let's today's to topic is you talk you, you go you take it over take it over okay so essentially we want to have a discussion and an open open-ended discussion about is there a right or wrong way to do things in a vinyasa class. And we're going to stick to vinyasa format. That's what we teach the most. And 
specifically right and wrong in regard to asana. So I think this can be pretty confusing to a lot of students and also to new teachers. They may have heard that warrior one is taught one way and then from another teacher heard a totally different way and they might have heard different poses called different names and so on. So there's an endless list of things that we could really talk about here with within this subject. And so we just want to start a conversation about about this. So Bradshaw, what do you think? Do you think there's a right and wrong way or a one way to do things in the asana practice? Yes and no. My answer is definitely yes or no. I think the majority of it is it depends. And there's many different ways of doing one one thing. And then there are certain things where I'm like, this is the way to do it. And the only reason, the reason that it's like, this is the way is for safety. Mm. reasons. Uh, but I'm, I'm mostly at like, or I'm just like in chair pose. If someone's like, Oh, well, another way to do it is tuck to tuck your tailbone. I'm like, well, that's not, don't get him started. That's not how you do chair. (laughs) Like for me, that's a black and white thing. It's that's, that's very black and white there. So I have like, so I like to think about it in two different ways in my brain. I have one side that is like, there is a right way of doing things. That mm-hmm. list is much shorter, but it, there is a list compared to these different ways of doing one thing. That list is much, much, much longer. So I, again, the answer, the answer is both. What I think that we have to remember, and I think that this is a topic that we kind of come back to a lot in this podcast is, and it's really important for yoga practitioners to understand, there's so many different styles of yoga. One of the reasons that I like vinyasa yoga, and I think Gianna, you can agree, is that um, I'm not going to steal this literally right from Jason, which is like vinyasa gives you the broadest canvas to paint on, right? Mm-hmm. It gives you yeah. the biggest landscape to kind of draw from comparing to other styles of yoga, like Ashtanga, uh, like Bikram, where those styles of yoga typically, traditionally, are way more linear in terms of how to do things. And I don't really prescribe to that. I think some people do like that structure because it gives them all the answers. When you say to new teachers, there's many different ways of doing one thing. They're like, but, and I used to be like this, can you just give me the right answer? Yeah. They want to, like too many options can be like debilitating. And it requires, it requires requires like how, how am it I requires nuance. This? It requires yeah. nuance and it, re- it requires education and it requires questioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm always, I've always been an extremely inquisitive person. I think that really shows in my teaching. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I have a very visceral reaction to someone saying that it's either this or that. Yeah. And I think that that goes outside of yoga and just the way that I view the world. And, oh, and if I honestly, were you, if I were you, I would be like, well, maybe you should talk about that in therapy. No, I actually think that's a good thing. I <laughs> yeah, think it's but, a very good quality. Okay. You would. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of the episode. Thank you all for joining. I mean, I what agree, do you think? I agree with you 100%. I don't even feel like I need to add on anything more than what you said. Like, I think there has to be some structure, but I think there are gray out areas within the structure. Mm-hmm. And uh, just one thing that creates those gray areas is the fact that we're not all built the same way. So that's like the key 
that's the key thing that we'll, we'll talk about and we'll get into is just, you know, your stance in certain positions might have to look different depending on the width of your hips and so on. And so, and then certain variations of things do different things in the body. So if you're sequencing for something specific, you might want to choose one way over another way. And so there's so many different, um, components to kind of consider when you're big picture, like creating your sequences. And essentially if you're a yoga teacher, when you're sharing your, your teachings or your practice with your students. And I would also like to add one, uh, what I like to do, um, and we'll, 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 of course, give a couple examples of like different ways of doing things today. But like, let's say you're doing a pose, I'm going to be like, I'll give my students like three or four different options to just experience in their body. Mm-hmm. And something I've been working on, because I can be sometimes like, you don't need to do it that way. And like trying to change my language, which is just like, okay, here are four different variations of this pose. Yeah, What feels better for you? Mm-hmm. That's the one that you should do. Yes. I like that. I like that. Cause you remember in that episode that we did about, um, nudity things that teachers do literally the the episode where we literally just talk about buttholes for like three minutes. (laughs) I was thinking about that today. (laughs) No, but we literally talk about buttholes for like an absurd amount amount of time. Keep going. Okay. Well, there that is. Um, okay. So I think we all have buttholes. I think we should talk about a couple of different postures that we've seen, heard, or even ourselves have taught in many different ways. And because I mentioned it, let's start with warrior one. I was going to say that's probably one of my favorite examples. Okay. So take it away. So one of the reasons that I really (laughs) like to teach different, teach different variations of warrior one is I think for a lot of people, if you ask a lot of people, like in terms of these uh, family of postures, standing, standing postures, which one do you not like? Warrior one is a lot of people's like arch nemesis mm-hmm. I find, because it can be uncomfortable. It can be cumbersome. It can be painful in the lower back and so on and so forth. Yeah. So typically like if we're looking at a more traditional style of yoga, let's think of more like the Ashtanga yoga world, they'll tell you it align to align heel to heel. Uh, I don't, that's one. And this is, this is something else that I say, that's one way of doing it. That is not my preferred way. Cause mm-hmm. in some, cause I'm not going to say like this, this should feel better in your body. If you do it like this, again, the same point I was making a moment ago, if it feels good for you to align heel to heel, great. Mm-hmm. I just want to let you know that there's other options, mm-hmm. right? So you can, attra- so I'll be like align heel to heel. Another variation is at least hips with distance apart, or like the feet are in two separate lanes of traffic. Mm-hmm. Or another one that I really like is to not even try to what, say your right foot's forward in warrior one, not trying to pull that hip back and actually like taking what we learned Gianna in training, which is what we call a, like a warrior one and a half, where you're in warrior one, you take the feet wide and then you rotate the pelvis, say, say my right foot's forward, you rotate the pelvis to face the top left-hand corner of the mat, like you're in between a warrior one and warrior two. Mm-hmm. So right now I just gave you three different variations of warrior one. Yes. All of those variations are valid variations. What works for you? Okay. I, I love those examples. I'd like, Thanks, to, talk, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, why someone might want to troubleshoot the ver- these variations sure you I'm, take I'm, you t- take it away okay um uh, i'm i'm calling it 
I'm calling it troubleshoot. Um, and that's, I guess, another thing we've, we've gotten from, from Jason, but in that variation, which is typically taught in Ashtanga yoga, Ashtanga vinyasa, where they do the heel to heel variation. So your front heel aligns with your back heel. And for a lot of people, this might feel like you're on a tight rope and you're not necessarily super grounded and stable, especially if you have wider hips. And a lot of people do have wider hips because that alignment usually, I guess, appeals or was made for or <laughs> may require someone to have a more narrow pelvis. I wasn't really sure how to word that, as you can tell. And so taking your back foot a little bit wider will allow yourself to be more stable and grounded so that you could actually firm your feet against the mat. You don't have to feel wobbly or unstable and you don't have to suffer. <laughs> And I think that when it comes to alignment, especially when there are these hard rules, like it has to be heel to heel, or you should be doing this. I just think once we get into the land of shoulds, we're coming up against alienating territory where people will start to feel like they're doing something wrong or they don't belong. And that's problematic because not all bodies will be able to do that thing. Um, and then the squaring the hips cue, which is also a cue that I've heard over and over again when I was first beginning to practice. And, and sometimes even still, sometimes you can do the action of squaring, like you can press into your front foot and start to hug that front heel towards the back of the mat or energetically pull it to the back and you could press into your back foot and you could energetically pull it forward and you'll create a little adduction in the inner thighs, inner thigh engagement and, and really strengthen your stance, but you're not actually able to take your back hip forward into the same plane as your front hip because you're in an asymmetrical pose. Your front hip is in flexion and your back hip is in extension. And so your pelvis is not going to be completely even facing the front, if that makes sense. So I think both Bradshaw and I would agree that taking the feet wider for us, both in personally in our bodies and in our embodied experience feels better. And I believe we both like to teach that way, right? I was just going to say for like a big thing is just balance. Like, I think when you take your feet wider, you, you, I feel most bot, most people practicing will feel a stronger foundation, like less like they're on a tightrope and more like they're, they got their feet. 100%. Like if you feel like you are on a tightrope and you have to really like focus on balancing in warrior one, then it's really hard to do all the other things in warrior one, like just breathe <laughs> to just yeah. like relax into it, uh, stabilize and strengthen the muscles around your hips and so on, or whatever arm variation you're taking. Like there's just a lot happening at once. And so creating that broader base, like Bradshaw said that with the feet, a little bit wider, whether it's in two lanes of traffic, so to speak, or maybe just a little bit wider than that, more like a tripod ish base, even though we don't have a third leg or most of us don't, don't have a third leg. <laughs> but you know I'm not, I mean. I'm not going for that. I am not going for that. 
Oh my god. It's so stupid. <laughs> so That's stupid. so stupid. Or you can like the other variation and why we take that at like warrior one and a half is if someone has really bad lower back pain. Mm-hmm. The SI joint dysfunction, SI joint, sciatica, things like that. Very common to just do that warrior one and a half variation. That's going to bring some of that tension out of the lower back. A Manny who was on the podcast had a really good reel. If you want to look it up, he's just like, you can do warrior one like this. You can do warrior one like this. Oh, right. Yeah. This. That was a, we, um, we, we should link it in the show notes. Yeah. That, or uh, by we, I should, I mean me. Yeah. Cause I don't even know what show notes are. <laughs> I'm like, show notes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That's great. Um, so uh, that is a, a, a really, a really good example. And then th- here's the best thing about looking at things a little bit more with like a broader scope and less narrow is that like, if you give three different options, three different options is going to fit more of the room than one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, like, so it's like you are, it's kind of like you're, you're killing two birds with one stone kind of, you know, it's like, we're all doing the same pose, but I'm, I'm hopefully making it more accessible, less painful. Um, nothing any yoga should ever be painful. That's another yes. topic, but you know, uh, you know, less cumbersome or whatever it may be for a larger, uh, general population in a public yoga class. Mm-hmm. What's a, yeah. okay. so what's another, I mean, I like, well, I, another, another one for me, G is Urdhva Dhanurasana. Okay. Um, this is wheel pose. Wheel. Yeah. If you're smart, you know what that is. Um, Urdhva Dhanurasana. So typically in Urdhva Dhanurasana, the fingertips will face towards the heels towards the front of the mat. Is that a, is that a better description? Yes. So the wrists are in extension side note before, because this is confusing when uh, flexion and extension of the wrist. So I always remember this as like, if you were just standing in Tadasana with your palms forward, which is a natural position to be standing in, if you were to just move your wrists or just find movement in your wrist joint by bringing your fingers forward, then when you bring it forward, think flexion. And then oh. if you bring your hands back, so I was right. It was extension. extension. I was right. Yeah. You we're are, both right. We're both right. We're both right. Um, Everyone's right. But it's, a, everyone, it's, it's confusing. Cause then when you rotate at the shoulder joint, things get different. So I always yeah. just remember. Yeah. Don't talk about it. Um, <laughs> I'm like, you're confusing me. So in, in wheel, the hands, typically the fingertips will face the front of the mat and you come up into wheel for some people that can restrict their shoulders. It can feel uncomfortable in the wrist. So what I have people do is actually wrote sometimes I'll teach it like that. Cause I can do it like that. I also like to do it with the fingertips facing out. So think your peace sign fingers are facing out towards the sides of the room. Mm-hmm, towards the long edge of your mat. The and it doesn't have to mat. be fully out. It could be no. anywhere on the spectrum of towards that exactly. direction, rotating Ex- towards that direction. Exactly. And so like I change the position of the hands. So it's not like your hands have to be like this. It's like you can place your hands this way, this way. You can take your hands wider. wider does that yeah. help? Taking your feet wider. Does that help? Lifting mm-hmm. your heels. Does that help? So it's just like you're, you're again, you're making the posture more robust or comfortable in your body. Yeah. Oftentimes in wheel, it's also taught to 
adduct the inner thighs and to have your feet hip distance. But as Bradshaw just mentioned, that might not work for all bodies. And if you need to take your feet wider, because that's where you feel more support, you are using your feet. 50% of the effort is in your feet. Maybe if, you know, if you're stronger in your legs, you might have more of your effort down there. Um, but if you have more stability and, and you feel more grounded with a wider stance, I would say to a degree, take your feet really wide. I probably wouldn't advise taking them off your mat, but you know, this is where there's gray areas. You, it doesn't have to be hip distance. You don't have to imagine you're squeezing a block between your thighs. Um, and then tucking the tailbone. A lot of people are told often to tuck your tailbone in wheel pose, but when you are in a back bend, you're bringing the spine into extension and the pelvis is in an anterior tilt. So there's way, I mean, there's ways to kind of, um, adjust the things you've heard to make them more comfortable in your body. And yeah, you don't really need to tuck your tail. And this is like kind of getting into like updating cues and stuff, but I just wanted to throw that in there. And then if you're really, because we're kind of like updating it, if you're really tight in your front side body, uh, namely the hip flexors and quads, it might help to elevate your heels or even to try this with props. So, um, when, you know, in this, discussion of whether there's a right or wrong way to do things, I think that we can have a little bit of flexibility here to, you know, a little flexibility with some guidelines. Because yeah. again, we want a stable, strong foundation. I've said this in one of our podcasts before, but I'll reiterate it here because I don't expect everyone to have listened to every single episode. But I think of most postures like architecture and you want your support beams that's what I'm calling them to be where your weight bearing so obviously in wheel if you have your legs super far apart or your arms super far apart when you lift up you're not going that load is not going to be distributed over I'm calling your limbs the support beams so to an extent you need to find a certain amount of um, grounding and stability. Those are, I think, feel like both really good examples. We did Warrior One, we did Urdhva Dhanurasana, and let's do one more, Gianna. Like, what's one more that comes? Triangle to- pose. I okay. love in triangle pose. There are a couple of different variations I've seen, and I feel like we could actually talk about this extensively. Um, a lot of times people will teach this with almost like, uh, almost like a, the back leg in triangle is either neutral or a little bit externally rotated. Mm -hmm. And then the front leg is in external rotation. And aside from the legs, I'm just starting there. You might have heard to bring your hand on the inside of the foot or on the outside of the foot, or to grab your big toe, depending. In Ashtanga, they usually teach this a heel-to-heel alignment and grabbing the big toe, which is, you know, the feet are a long way down sometimes, especially the taller you are, and that might not be accessible, might not feel great for everybody. 
And um, yeah, let's, let me pause there. Let's talk about the positioning of the hands since I just mentioned that um, inside versus outside versus the versus like on your foot. Yeah. Okay. No, you go. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll take it away. I don't teach it. I, honestly, to, I'm being very frank. I loved, I'm here. I'm just picking this up because I don't, I don't teach this in many different ways. So I'm just interested to hear. Okay. Well, when, when you position your hand on your shin, your torso relative to where your hand is, you could kind of think of this as the support beam. You're, you're probably, your hand is going to be close to under your shoulder. So you're weight bearing where that is. I love holding a block or my shin personally, and that's where I feel the most supported because I can use that bottom hand to stabilize the position. But when you bring the hand, if you, if you can bring your hand to the floor and that's the way you like to practice, again, keeping it on the inside of the foot, when you have the heel to heel alignment might do that same thing. It's the support beam is where your weight bearing. But if you're trying to find a little bit more expansion through the torso, maybe a little bit more sh uh, lengthening down the top side of your body, you may want to take your hand on the outside of your foot. And then when you do that, you're going to keep your pelvis in the position that it is, but start to peel the upper ribs up and back like you're trying to touch your top shoulder blade, the scapula to something behind you. And so that, that will emphasize the length on the top side body. So this kind of goes to the point that I was talking about in the very beginning. Like if I were teaching a sequence that was emphasizing like side body length or even twist, this might be something that I wanted to include in my sequencing to help uh, prepare the body for some other things throughout the flow. That also brings up another really good point, Gianna, which is just like, you may do it a, diff a little differently because you're focusing on something different. Mm -hmm. So you're doing a class that's like all about side bend. It's like, okay, well, typically I don't do triangle with the arm reaching forward, but today I am. I'm going to mm -hmm. do a little bit exactly. of a I'm going to explore something a little bit different, even though like we may not do like we normally we don't do it like this, but we're going to try it like this. Actually, I forgot to mention that, that. So thank you. Yeah. When I was thinking of the length and the side, it's always bicep over the ear reaching forward. So that's another yeah. way to do it. You just mm. change up the arm variation. Typically, you'll have the arm straight up in the air hand kind of mirroring or being in line with your shoulder. But when you bring bicep over the ear, you start to emphasize more of that side body length. Something else I would like to say to teachers, if you're maybe concerned, like, oh, I'm going to try something else. I hope my students, like they, they I usually teach it this way, but they're going to be annoyed that I'm teaching in a different way. Just say, we're going to play with this variation today. Mm -hmm. You know, something like that, that's very, so that they're more likely to come along for the ride. Be like, I normally don't do this, but we're going to do something a little different today. Reach the arm forward. Yeah. You know, yeah, so you can kind of speak to doing like to, to exploration and you can even like bring it into like, it's good to try new things. Like there's so many different things that you can kind of weave in and out to, to make your students really come along for the ride. And I think that's especially useful when you have students in the room who you can tell typically practice Ashtanga yoga, because yeah, you can, yeah, yeah. you can tell when you have Ashtangis in the room, because they have a very, I'm just going to call it rigid, like a rigid way of doing things. And they're, mm -hmm. they're set that, that I think most that of the time, like, the way. like that is the way, and it's always been taught this way. And if anything else is being done, then it's wrong. Like, mm -hmm. I think you've, I've found that mentality to be kind of the, 
the norm and whenever I have a bunch of Ashtangis in the room. So saying what you just said, I think is the perfect way to frame it, like with like a playful, um, inquisitive and like explorative mindset. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, yeah, I know you love your heel to heel warrior one, but just try this today. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> or even like in, in like, I think of chair pose, like I know you normally, a lot of you lift your big, your big toes. What about pressing them down? How does that feel? Mm -hmm. Pull your feet apart. How does that feel? Yeah. So it's like you're giving them the agency to do something different and then inquire about how it feels. And to me, at the end of the day, if we're talking about asana, that is a, that is a goal. And I think that also is a really great, like doing exactly what you said is a great tool to help facilitate growth in students so that they start to deepen their own connection with their body. And they, they really and start to have exactly they're creating autonomy in their body. Cause when you're told over and over, this is the way, this is the one way. Sometimes we start to silence the feedback that our body's giving us their feedback, the feedback that I personally have felt in the heel to heel warrior one has been like, this doesn't feel good. I feel a weird strain on the inside of my knee and like my inner groin, like the gracilis area and the back leg. And I just thought, okay, with repetition, yes, we might, we may create you know, a softening, or I might get used to it more. Yes, that does happen. But like, it's not my preferred way. I, like, I don't feel like I should have to condition myself through like discomfort, essentially. And so when I, when I first started like allowing myself to explore postures in a way that felt better in my well, body, that just helped me connect to myself more deeply, just like your sexuality. Exactly. Um, but before we move on from triangle pose, can you talk about the feet in triangle? Cause I just mentioned like the typical stance. And I think you teach this variation a lot where you turn your back foot slightly inward. And I think that's worth mentioning. How do you do it? <laughs> like typically from a warrior two, that's how um, oh, I wrap, yeah, I, I wrap my toes in a little bit because it just makes it, it for me, it feels better because I feel like I can press the outer seam of my foot down more. Okay, I'll talk about it a little bit more. So typically people will teach triangle pose, trikonasana from warrior two. So the stance is very similar in the feet, maybe a heel to arch or heel to heel. I personally was taught in my 200 hour from warrior two to widen it just a little bit heel to heel. Now, I think you could do both. I think you could do heel to arch, heel to heel, or I think you can play with that even a little bit more. But in terms of like the width of your stance, typically I've been taught to keep a warrior two like width. I personally like to bring my back foot up a little bit. So I'll shorten my stance a little bit in triangle pose. And I often teach it this way. And then the back foot, I will start to rotate very slightly inward towards the front of the room, just about like five degrees. It's, it's very subtle. This way, it brings the top hip or the back hip into the pole that I'm doing towards the front leg. Because I think when you try to keep your 
the pinky edge of your back foot parallel to the short edges of your mat, you start to create a little bit of tension in that top hip once you bring your torso into position. So for me, it feels better to rotate the back toes slightly inward. This way, my hip point, so my toes, my knee, and my back hip point are starting to point slightly down towards the middle of my mat when I take the full expression of the pose. I know it's hard to visualize this, uh, verbally. Um, there's a lot of, you know, description, descriptive things. Yeah. There's a lot of nuance that I'm trying to, trying to get into, but, um, if you can't take a class with me, I'm sorry, <laughs> but just, just listen to that over and over and try it at home. <laughs> <laughs> just listen to it over and over and over again. Anyway. I, I think that, it, you know, Gianna and I have been teaching for a while and I used to think about things more linear in a, a linear manner as more black and white because I didn't know more, but I, and I've learned more and I, I think i don't view things as black and white, but I don't mm-hmm. judge myself for at some point thinking things were more linear than they are. Yeah. And you know, it's just like if if you're a teacher out there and you're listening and you're like, oh my God, I thought it was like this or that. And you're like, you know, oh my God, don't worry about it. Like yeah. you're learning. You're constantly learning. There's so many things that I taught in yoga classes that were wrong. <laughs> I mean, you know, so many. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that as we get older um, and more, t- uh, you know, we have more experience teaching. And I think this honestly is a really good metaphor for life. The more we know, the more questions we have mm-hmm. and the more nuanced things get. And well, I, I w- think that that's, yeah. a. Well, I was just going to say, I don't think it necessarily has to do with age because I've been, I mean, the hopefully you're learning, you're committed to your growth and, you know, your practice and exploring it as you age, but I know teachers who have been teaching the same exact way for 30 plus years. Yeah. Yeah. And they haven't necessarily broken any of the like rules, you know, these alignment rules that we're kind of talking about. And I think, and I just wanted to say that because I think that's really common. I think with age, if you have like a senior teacher who's well-respected and that's like your um, mentor, And they say to do it this way, that might be causing some of this confusion because it's like, oh, well, they have the knowledge and the years of experience. So I just kind of want to like break. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I get that. Yeah, Um, I love being ageist is honestly one of my favorite things. Stop it. I'm kidding. Um, I'm literally kidding. I know you're kidding. It's a joke. If anything, I don't like young yoga practitioners are the most annoying. Well, that's literally age. <laughs> I can't with you I'm going to die. Well, it's, honestly, if you might be one of those people who are so susceptible to listen to like the the older experienced mentor, whether their knowledge has been updated in the last like 50 years or not. I I've know. updated the way I French kiss compared to high school. Yeah, I think that's great. You're living and learning. Also, this is like when Bradshaw starts making these little comments, it's hilarious, but it's like, oh my God, he's expiring. Um, I want to say one other thing that I was going to say, but you literally interrupted that now I lost my train of thought. I think what I, just give me one second. I love that she's blaming it on me. And it's like, you... I literally I literally gave her this job. Like okay. I literally, you know, Let's I literally say... did let's be real here. I was like, please start a podcast with me. Otherwise I'd literally be talking to avoid 
and bore people to death probably. Uh, (laughs) Let's be real. I know, I know myself. (laughs) Okay. What I was going to say though, is, um, you're going off of what Bradshaw said about continuing, you know, your growth and the exploration and all that. I think one thing that, that we can do as teachers is to explore and to like use our, our own discernment, our own critical thinking skills and our own embodied experience to kind of, um, navigate how we teach because everyone can teach a warrior one heel to heel and like almost like a script memorize the cues that you've been told. But when you have a lived embodied experience that you want to kind of translate to your students, you start to develop your voice as a teacher. So I think it goes hand in hand. Um, you know, it goes hand in hand, like just your own personal growth, but what you can give to students, like you're sharing your experience. Of course, things are not going to feel the same in your students' bodies as it feels in your body. So you have to always keep that in mind and you have to, or you should recognize like the spectrum of alignment, but like bring your own experience to it and cue from there. So that's, that's what I wanted to add. I think that's a very, very good point. I want to inspire I, the yoga teachers, you know? I think they are going to feel very inspired. And I, <laughs> I, I do hope from this episode that everyone does feel inspired and that you realize that really there's so many ways of doing one thing. And honestly, at the end of the day, Gian, I think we're coming, like for me, I'm coming back to one point, mm-hmm. which is like have a sense of exploration. Yes. In your practice, in your teaching, and in your life. And I think that all of those things will be very, very beneficial for you. If you have some requests of like, are there different ways of doing this pose? Ask us Yeah, submit that to the podcast. Submit that to to the podcast. That'd be a great question for Gianna and I to um, argue over because I love arguing with Gianna. Can I say one other thing? Like you're, you're encouraging people to keep their sense of exploration. I also think, you know, I mentioned critical thinking. I think that is so important as well. Like even when we're teaching things I don't want people to take things as like fact and now they have to do it this way. So I want you to like figure it out for yourselves. And that's something that Jason has been really vocal with us, like in his teacher trainings. And I love that because uh, this could be a, a whole other discussion, but when any, when there's, whenever there's any sort of authoritative, like black and white, this or that, I just question the agenda. And that can be, that's a good point. Even though your shoulders do not draw down your back when your arms are above your head, but we'll (laughs) save that for later. That's another one of my black and whites. We've done that. that. That's one of my black and whites for sure. Yeah. And arms overhead, Urdhva Hastasana is not Tadasana, core power. Oh, core power. Thank you very much. Uh, (laughs) Okay. I would like, okay. So we're going to tell our funny stories, but my funny story relates to this topic. And this is more of like nothing specific. It's just general. Okay. Which is like when I'm like, okay, we're going to be doing, let's try this different variation today. And there's usually like an Ashtanga yoga practitioner that is so resistant to doing it. Yeah. And I'm like, warrior one, take your feet wider. You don't have to be on a tightrope. Today, you're going to do it wider, a little wider than that. 
even if you're lining heel to heel, I know you may do that. Do it differently. Take your feet wider. It's just like some people are so resistant to trying yeah. something new. And I just find that funny. I I've had that experience as well. And it's like, sometimes I feel like it's a battle of my own ego. And I'm like, it okay. is for me too. I'm like, I'm just like okay. let it go. Just let, let it, go. it go. Let them do it the way they want to do it. Even though I, I don't. I had a friend who was a teacher and they had an Ashtanga practitioner in the class and they were doing Ardu Uttanasana halfway lift and they were saying, today we're going to do the hands on the shins. There may have been even some reason why, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like depending on me, they, maybe they, I don't know what the teacher was doing and they refused to take their hands on their shins in halfway lift. Oh, and like they said it like numerous times, like numerous yeah. times. Just and at that point, happen. and they're, but it's also, yeah, whatever, long story. But yes, I think that that's funny. What's your funny story? I feel like you asked me that in a very not friendly tone, Bradshaw. What's Uh, your funny story, Gigi? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I like that. Um, Okay. So very, very early in my teaching career, I went on a journey in an RV across the country for like months and months. And I wound up I literally went everywhere. It was a great, great time. But I wound up living in an RV in LA for like three months before I got sick of it. But I thought at the time, it was like, oh, I'll find an apartment here. Let me like see if I'm going to settle here. And while I was in that process, I went on an audition and I went on an audition at Yoga Works. So everyone listening to this, who knows yoga works, I know you will know exactly what I'm talking about. But this was probably, I'm sorry, yoga works, RIP. um, But this was the most insane audition I've ever been on. There was like, I want to say like 50 to 70 people in the audition. And when we got there, they literally created a sequence for everyone to collectively teach And they put every pose, they wrote it down on a piece of paper and they put all the pieces of paper in a hat. And so when we got there, we had to like literally pick a piece of paper with the pose we were going to teach out of a hat. And I got warrior two. So, and and you had to memorize where this was in the sequence. And I was like, okay, so before that makes no sense. I know this was the, this was the weird audition format. So I just went with it. I was literally teaching for like two years at this point. So it was very, very green. And I had to teach warrior two, but I was like, okay, how long, how long can I really keep them in this warrior two to like show? I was like, how are they going to know that I am a good yeah, teacher that, you know. yeah, yeah. that, that I can like hold space and sequence and what my vibe is just from warrior two. So I just remember like holding them in this warrior two for at least 10 breaths and like saying everything I knew about warrior two. It's like three hours later, she's like, then check into your right fingertip. And I want you to reach that motherfucker towards the person in front of you. Um, Maintain the natural curvature of your spine. Would you like to know about posterior and anterior tilts of the pelvis? Here's the thing. It was still probably less than a minute. So like I did not get that much time, but I was just like the whole time that I'm running through this sequence. I'm like, okay, I have to like pop up and teach this warrior two after so-and-so does triangle pose or whatever it is. The whole time I'm like sitting there doing the class because you're a student until you're one second, until you're one pose. 
And I'm just like, oh my God, how can I stand out? How can I stand out? How are they going to know? And having such anxiety. And then it was like over and I never heard from them again. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, just this is not Gianna. Gianna is actually still at Yoga Works right now teaching lawyer too. Oh my God. Um, Well, I, I really loved, I have to say though, before we close up. I loved yoga works. I loved practicing there when I was there. It's a weird audition style though. That is the strangest audition style. And just, it would be, I, if I don't mention this, it would feel like, um, missed opportunity, but I was actually signed up for the training at yoga works with Mati Azradi, who founded yoga works the summer before she passed. And so what, I mean, you know, totally unfortunate circumstance. She's highly missed, well-regarded and, you know, it was such a sad and big loss for the yoga community. And I just felt like so close to being able to experience that. And so to this day, I'm like, I wonder what that would have been like. Yeah, that sucks. It's so sad. So rest in peace, Mati. Okay, before we sign off, Bradshaw, do you have any announcements? You can submit to the podcast via our website. We want your questions. Anything related to yoga, ask. You could ask, like, what do you what do you wear on a Monday to teach your class? Even though I don't teach on Mondays. Just anything related to yoga, because we do have that um, episode that comes out once once a month on Thursdays. And it's a really, really good way, way to get free advice from two very talented, good looking, um, renowned, <laughs> tenured, tenured, one might say. Uh, I would it, also like to say, stop Gianna, okay. that we have one more room left in Nicaragua and the early true. bird is coming up. So no, no, no. By the time this airs, early bird's done. Early bird's going to be over. So if you haven't, then it's your fault. Uh, but we have one room. <laughs> there are six beds. We would love for you to join. It's one of our favorite retreats. Namaste. Uh, all right, everyone. Keep exploring. Keep your options open. And always be inquisitive and good critical thinkers. We'll talk to you soon. If Bye. you enjoyed this chat, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. We love you. Bye. We love you. Bye. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with power, wisdom, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Amen.